Mount's in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason Mount. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tamori. Loses Callum Hunt to the door. And there it is. His first goal. For Chelsea, the teenager. A moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot Podcast. You can find all our links in the description, including Spotify, iTunes, our website and our Twitter and Instagram. Today, I am joined once again by Path. How are you doing, mate? Pretty tired, but never tired to do a podcast, so happy to be on. Yeah, same here. I think hopefully this podcast is going to rejuvenate me from my tiredness. Looking forward to it. Um Especially so because we are joined once again by the wonderful Adam Newson, Chelsea correspondent for Football London. Thanks so much for coming on again, Adam. No, thank you guys for for having me back and thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. <laughs> Just came into my head, didn't even plan it. Anyway, um, yeah, pretty pleased with that. Um, <laughs> today we're going to just be... Um, Reviewing the the great win against Everton, we're recording the evening afterwards um, and looking forward to the weekend's game against Leeds and even the the game after that in the Champions League second leg against Atletico Madrid. But there are loads of talking points uh, surrounding Chelsea at the moment, not just from yesterday's game, uh, but in general as well. But we will start with the game against Everton. I guess good place to start. Just your overall thoughts on the game, Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's getting to a point now where you kind of just expect Chelsea to do what they did against yeah. Everton. Um, you know, the, there were changes to the side, um, which are, you know, a couple of which I think surprised us. Uh, it was nice to see Kurt Zuma back in. Um, I thought he did quite well on the left side of that back three. Uh, Jorginho, Kovacic back together and, and they're doing really well, to, to be fair to him. I think Jorginho mm. may be playing the best football of his Chelsea career at the moment, really. I um, agree, yeah. Credit to him for that, because I know he's had his detractors, and I've not always been entirely convinced, <laughs> I have to say. So um, so credit to him for that. And obviously Kai Havertz playing as the false nine. I think Thomas Tuchel highlighted uh, last week, or the week before, that he thought that was where Chelsea were going to get the best out of Havertz. And, um, and so it proved, and... You know, I think the great thing we're seeing with Thomas Tuchel's side is that we're 11 games in now and, and he can take out players, he can drop in other players, but the performance levels don't really change. Um, and that's credit to his coaching. Uh, like the structure is so well understood by the players and it's um, been taken on board so well. And it's being, you know, and credit to the players, they're executing it really well. Um, but yeah, you kind of just go into every Chelsea game now expecting to see what you saw against Everton. They're not going to concede many chances. Um, they're going to dominate possession and they're hopefully going to continue to create chances because they looked uh, probably the best that they have done for a while in that respect against Everton. And on another day, maybe they win 4-0 if Timo Werner can, uh, can get on the score sheet at some point. No, I completely agree. I think that is probably the most Im- impressive thing, really. It's not really... To be fair, I, something I've always said is that if this team can stop conceding goals, it doesn't really matter what we do in the final third because of the personnel that we have. Mm. You know, Kai Havertz, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Timo Werner was the front three last night. But, you know, you have all these <laughs> mega money stars on the bench. You have Mason Mount, probably our best player on the bench. You have all these these brilliant players who, you know, they didn't even come, come onto the pitch throughout the 90 minutes. So really... I don't think the final third needs that much coaching, if any, when you've got these world-class players. 
And if you can build a defensive structure like Tuchel has done, I mean, we haven't, how many goals? We've conceded two goals, I think, in yeah. one's games, goal. 11 games. Yeah. Yeah. One of those was Rudy Gazango, yeah, and the other and, one was... Uh, you know, it's not, just, it's not just kind of that stat papering over some cracks. It's, you know, we haven't conceded chances either. It's not like um, we're kind of yeah. being dealt a good hand by the XG gods. It's, it's, um, it's I real. Was, I was thinking about this before I came on. I was like, I could, I, when was the last time in your, your guys' opinions that you felt uncomfortable in a Chelsea game? Because I genuinely can't remember the last time I thought, oh, this is a bit you know, Chelsea in a tough spot in this match. Probably Chelsea nil. Chelsea won Fulham nil, That's, which is when Frank was in charge. That <laughs> yeah. was bricking it during that game. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think, think yeah. yeah, to be, I think the, when Atletico Madrid had those counter-attacks, I was pretty scared. <laughs> um, Fair yeah. enough, yeah. That was a good point. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, that's what, one, one game maybe in... Yeah. yeah, one of the best teams in Europe. Like you're going to get them. So we talked about there being lots of players on the bench who can come in and affect the game, and Chelsea can play well without them even having to do that. But there's one player in particular who wasn't even on the bench, and he hasn't been on the bench for the last three games, um, and that's Tammy Abraham, of course. Um, and all listeners of this podcast will know uh, very well that I'm a huge fan of his. Um, but I think even if you're not a huge fan of his, it's still very strange to see Chelsea's top scorer last season and this season not even be considered as a substitute, let alone to start Chelsea games. Um, and I know, Adam, you've gone into detail on this. You've written a big article. Um, would you like to sort of expand on that at all, what your thoughts are on the situation? Yeah, uh... So yeah, yeah, I wrote the piece after last night's uh, after last night's game, and I do think Tammy's in a bit of a tricky situation at Chelsea at the minute. Um, as you say, he's not been on the bench even for the last three games. Um, he was against Atletico, um, but in that game, obviously Giroud started and he scored his uh, his excellent goal. Um, and then Tammy has pretty much watched on since as a uh, you know Timo Werner showed what he can do and the threat he can pose against Liverpool uh, against the high line. I thought he did well in that game. Um, and then obviously you watched Kai Havertz last night do his thing. Um, and I think that's, you know, if you're Tammy at that point, you're looking at these three guys ahead of you now. And where does that really leave him? Um, is he the fourth choice in Tuchel's mind for that number nine now? Um, and if that is the case, as you say, he's Chelsea's top goal scorer. And I think people are forgetting that. Um, mm. I think I said last time I was on here, people are always very quick to judge Tammy on what he can't do rather than what he can um, and yeah. I do think he's only 23 years old. The type of forward he is, I think he will only get better as he gets older. Um, and I think this is where Chelsea is stuck between two different philosophies of wanting to to have the lads from Cobham in the team, want to, to see the, the homegrown players do uh, what they can do, but also they want to win now. Um, and is Tammy the right man to, to win a Premier League title at this very moment? Maybe not. Could he be in three or four years? probably. Um, are Chelsea going to give him the time to get to that point? Well, that's what we'll see, I guess, in the coming months. But um, uh, I was talking to my colleague, Sam, uh, in Casal earlier, and I said it wouldn't be surprising to see Tammy leave this summer and then in three or four years' time, Chelsea try to mm. re-sign you, Tammy Abraham. Uh, as did with, yes, as they did with Lukaku. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, to be honest. <laughs> 
think I think my my most annoying <laughs> yeah, thing no. is um, Tuchel's excuse for Tammy being excluded. He said like it lacks luck. Um, but I'm like Timo Werner is the one lacking luck at the moment. He's the one who can't find the back of the net. So you could say that for a few players, couldn't you? Christian yeah, Pulisic, Pulisic the same. Ziyech, yeah, yeah, and then, and then it's Tammy's the one who's being left out, and Tammy's our future. Well, well, we we would think like to think he's our future of the club. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we sign a striker in the summer, then you would surely think he's off. But who knows? But you know, the thing is, we say maybe he's not good enough to lead Chelsea to a Premier League title now. But I think there's pretty conclusive evidence to say that Chelsea are a better team when he plays. And regardless of what he is now or he may be in the future, whatever, if he is Chelsea's best option to make them a better team, then, you know, that's all you really need to know in my eyes. I think that's true, I guess. Particularly... Go ahead. Sorry, I I think that's true, and I... I guess that's the problem with Kai Havertz doing what he did last night is that he did really mm. function well in that false nine role and he and he offered probably something a little bit different to Tammy in the sense of he he did uh, things that Tammy necessarily wouldn't do in terms of the drifting out to wide positions as well as well as you know running in behind and dropping off. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we've got to remember that Tammy has been nursing this ankle problem that he, he picked up in Newcastle uh, in the Newcastle win as well. So. Mm. Maybe there is an element to Tuchel protecting him a little bit, but yeah, it's not it's not the most um, convincing argument that Thomas Tuchel is making when asked about Tammy Abraham. And as I think you said to me, Orlando, you know, the the argument of oh, it's an unfair choice is only going to wash with players for yeah. I don't even know how much longer. To be honest, I don't think anyone like you see the Christian Pulisic comments of Thomas Tuchel saying, "Oh, I know what he can do off the bench." If you're Christian Pulisic, I doubt that's uh, very reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and the other thing to say with Havertz, like I think he was really excellent, but I also think there were they were the optimal conditions, and I think that was chosen by Tuchel. Like he's seen this Everton, they had little to no legs in midfield. Decore was out. Allen had just come back from it from an injury. You could see he wasn't quite up to pace yet. Tom Davis wasn't fit to start the game. They had Andre Gomez, who's one of the slowest midfielders in the league, partnering a 50% fit Alan with Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's even slower than Andre Gomez, <laughs> you know, in the number 10 position. So they didn't have legs in midfield. Havertz was able to drop deep, win first balls, win second balls, be a menace. Um, and I think, you know, fair play to Tuchel for sort of seeing that and seeing that this game could be a good game for Kai Havertz to come in and and have a good game. And But I just really hope that he doesn't think, OK, Havertz is our best number nine in any game going forward now because that's not really the way it works. Yeah, if you, if you stick him up against Burnley... Is he gonna? Is he gonna struggle? Yeah, he is because it's just he's he's not a very physical lad. He is quite big. He's quite tall. But um, but if it's teams against who are gonna sit back, he's I think he's gonna struggle in the false. I line. also think, I also think he's good on on the side of the the nine in in this narrow three four three formation. Sorry, narrow front three because, well, when we signed him, I always said that I thought the best position for him, especially in the Premier League, would be as a sort of withdrawn nine in a front two. And, you know, I don't think... 
I think, to be fair, playing a front two in this day and age for Chelsea was a little bit of a pipe dream of mine. I'm not sure if it end up signing somehow signing Erling Haaland. But I think a sort of stretch nine, people like to call it, in a narrow front three is a very, very similar role because you have the, the I guess you could call them number 10s, wingers, um, pushing forward, pushing beyond number nine when the nine drops deep and that's very similar to being in a front trip a front two so I think this position suits him very well but I also think he can be really good as part of sorry one as one of the number 10s one of the wingers because we've seen Mason Mount be really effective there um playing a lot deeper than the other two in the front three even though he's I guess on the side or whatever you want to call it so I think it's very fluid, and I don't think that it's Havertz or Giroud or Tammy or Werner. I think they can all function well together. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think, as you, you mentioned, Erling Haaland, and if Chelsea are able to do that, which I have my doubts about, but if Chelsea are able to do that, I mean, it, at what point do you go, yeah, we've got too many attackers here, guys. What what do we do yeah. with all these guys? Because we can't get them all into the team. You can't have Christian Pulisic, Ziyech, Mount, Havertz, Werner, Haaland, Abraham. Like, it's just not going to work. So um, it goes back to squad planning and <laughs> having a clear idea of what you're doing. But, um, but yeah, I think Havertz can play in one of those withdrawn sort of 10 roles um, as, as Mason Mount has done. Uh, but... It, I guess that sort of lends itself to having a fixed striker because obviously Thomas Tuchel has already said that he thinks Werner plays better with a fixed striker or another player to play off. Um, so yeah, it's just it's very complicated just trying to trying to get all these attacking players in and trying to find out who is the best fit alongside each other and where is the best place to put all these players. I mean, I think. Tammy Abraham and Timo Werner is a brilliant partnership. I actually saw um, like a, a radar plot with Tammy's stats superimposed on top of <laughs> Werner's and they the were completely opposite. the opposite. Yeah. It's like the, the most perfect striker partnership. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've seen them, we saw them play really well in tandem under Frank Lampard at times. And I just, I really hope it can be given another go and not just for 45 minutes against Southampton or whatever mm. it was. Um, but... You just there, Adam, you reeled off a list of, I think, all of Chelsea's attackers, apart from Callum Hudson-Odoi, who yes. made a start in attack on the left, finally, under Thomas Tuchel, I think for the first time, um, on, on the left-hand side of the front three, under Tuchel. Um, and he was really, really good, wasn't he, Both? Yeah, he was. Um, he his uh, his pre-assist, I guess you should say, for the for Havertz's first goal was so good. He he beat the press. He turned around. He played it through, um, and then it was a really nice assist and finish. But that's sort of something you don't want to make the comparisons. But it's sort of stuff which Hazard did for us at the Bridge so many times. Is when he he gets the ball, he drops deep, and then he plays it. It's something which. You know, which we we've missed a lot of times in the last few years. That creative outspark, and I I I really I really do want to see him in the front three. I uh, I I've been a big advocate in the last month of a Hudson Odoi Havertz Mount front three. Um, I I think that's probably my my favorite. Well, that would be my one against Leeds, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But um, but yeah, he he's been he's been really good on to go, and it's just it's just good to see, isn't he? That he's getting his game time and he's just impressing week in week out. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think the great thing about Callum is that he really can play any role. Like, if you tell him, okay, today you're being the creator, he'll get on the ball, he'll spray passes out wide, he'll take on players with dribbles, he'll make stuff happen. If you say to him, actually, I want you to hold the width and I want you to not touch the ball for five minutes, um, or I want you to play right wing back, um, I want you to defend against Joao Felix, you know, he can do it all. Um, and I think that is actually credit to Tuchel in some ways, because I'm not sure if people would have seen him as this sort of jack-of-all-trades necessarily. Um, I don't think he's, that's not the best description, but I guess he's always seemed to me in the academy as someone who is very clearly a creative wide forward. Um, but he's really shown an aptitude uh, to to be able to adapt and to, to be able to do different things. And I think that's just another development in his incredibly wide skill set. Yeah, I, uh, I, was, I shouldn't have overlooked him when uh, I mentioned the real dog plays attackers. <laughs> um, as you say, he was very good uh, last night. Um, he obviously, he played on the left, was it for the second half against Barnsley in a fourth, when Chelsea went to 4 3 3 in that game? Yeah. Um, but as you say, we haven't seen him in loads in this uh, this little left side of the attack role. Yeah, I, you know, Callum, Callum's brilliant. He's been brilliant for his whole time in the academy. Anyone who watched the youth team back uh, two, three, or three, four years ago at this point now could see how good Callum was. And yeah, I mean, it's just, like we say, it's just a case of finding a place for him in this team. And it is probably a positive that he can play in this right wing back role uh, as effectively as he had done because as we said the competition for that front three is so intense that you know if there is a way to get him into this team I think Thomas Tuchel is keen to do it um, we saw against Tottenham Callum played as a split striker so clearly Tuchel likes Callum and he wants to get him into the team where he can um, and maybe that does mean trying to put him in a different position every week just to try and make sure that happens and you know fair play to Callum because he's stepping up when wherever he's used at the moment and I think actually the fact that he was subbed off early, my initial my article doing Werner's had a stinker and you're subbing off Callum. I realised that actually, no, we have two huge games coming up, and this is more a sign of how important he is to the team. Um, and and that was really pleasing when I realised that. Um, Leeds is coming up. Um, we've mentioned it slightly so far. Um, seeing as we've been talking about the front three mostly, um, what? Well, it's so hard, isn't it? I'm just trying to think what my answer would be now, and I honestly have no idea. I'll, I'll give the give the floor to you, Path, first for your front three. Um, you just said it earlier. Yeah. Can you expand a bit? Yeah, like I said, um, Hudson Odoi, Havertz, Mount. I think Mount has to start because he's he's he can't play against Atletico Madrid. He he got his rest against Everton and he he looked pretty bright off the bench against um uh yeah against Everton and um then I want to see Hudson Odoi again on the left hand side him and um so him and Mount have a really good link up as it is he, I feel like he has good link up with everyone to be honest that's the sort of player he is um but and then I want to see Havertz once more I think I think yeah I think people have said the argument that okay Leeds play a really high line this is the game for Werner which I, I do agree with to an extent but What's the point in getting those chances if you're not going to score them? Um, so that, that's the thinking I'm going towards. And 
Honestly, Havertz, he's not quick. Sorry, he is quick. People people actually don't realise that Havertz is a very quick player. So is Hudson Odoi. And Mount's got a real like sprint on him when he needs to. Um so yeah, that's my front three. But it's it's not easy because you want to give Pulisic game time. You want to give Ziet, you want to see Abraham in the squad. Um so yeah, it, it's not easy. <laughs> I I have a sneaky feeling we might see Pulisic start. Um as you mentioned, the Atletico game's coming up as well, and there may be an element to that that's influencing me in that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Pulisic uh, have its amount. I think as you say, Mason starts, and the energy he he brings to the team is is vital because I think we all know what Leeds are going to do. Really, on Saturday, they're going to try and outrun Chelsea and um, and press them and and just do what Leeds do. And you know they've got a full week pretty much to prepare for it. So. I think yeah. they'll be the first team to try and do that to Tuchel's Chelsea, won't they? Yeah, I think for for ninety minutes. Apart definitely. from Barnsley, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the first half of um, Sheffield United, they pressed quite high as well. True. Um, so yeah, I mean, imagine this is a game for Angola Kante just because of his mobility in that midfield. You probably partner him with Kovacic rather than Jorginho. Uh, ben Chilwell probably starts uh, left wing back again just because of the the more uh, mobility he has over Marcus Alonso. Um, I find the back three quite interesting at this point because does Thiago mm. Silva start? Um, because you either want him to play against Atletico Madrid or you want to rest Andreas Christensen for Atletico Madrid, given how brilliant he has been. Um, I think that would be an interesting decision that Tuchel faces. I mean, my feeling is that I'd probably just keep Christensen in at the moment just because he is very much riding the crest of a wave of his performances. I mean, I don't think anyone could have really envisaged him being this good when he stepped in for Thiago Silva. Um, I think it might have been Jacob Steinberg tweeted yesterday that uh, Andreas Christensen is the best centre back in in the Premier League at the moment. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I had a little think and there wasn't too many I could uh, could think who maybe were better than him at the moment. John Stone's very similar centre back in in, in times of positioning and that type of play. Um, But yeah, yeah, he's been incredible. Um, I've always been a decent fan of Christensen but the worry has always been okay can he mentally and physically play up to the Premier League and I think the most interesting thing will be is if we switch to a four at the back next season can he still do it because that's the big thing we, we've known he, he can do it in three at back he had a brilliant first season under Conte um, four at the back he then sometimes struggles um, but I want to see him next to Silver and four at the back because we, we did it once early on the season against West Brom and we conceded three goals, but he was making a few nice tackles and interceptions. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's he he's been exceptional. And you, I I did tweet out yesterday saying I want to see what did I say? I said Rudiger Silva Aspi, and people were like why are you dropping Christensen? Um, but it wasn't a drop; it was a rest. But yeah, I, I think another thing as well is re centre back. I'll I'll leave that to you guys. That's something we've uh, well we wanted to see for quite a while. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's something which I'd love to see with Cal at right wing back as well. Well, I think Reese at right wing, uh, sorry, at right centre back is obviously he is brilliant there, and lots of people want to see him there just because he's great. But I think there might be a little bit of unconscious bias um, in people's reasoning to want him. Sorry, reasoning to want to see him there, which would by the fact that, like it or not, Azpilicueta is by far and away the worst player in our back three. And I think you have Kurt Zuma, you have Tony Rudiger, you have Silva, you have Christensen. These are four players 
in two positions, if you're saying Aspi is a nailed-on starter. I don't think Aspi will be dropped out of the team because I saw mm. a quote from Tuchel yesterday. He basically just waxed lyrical for about five minutes about how brilliant Aspilicueta is as a guy and as a captain and how much he loves him. And I respect that because it, it does mean a lot in football. It has a lot of significance, how you are as a character um, and motivational stuff and all of that. Um, and that's not stuff we necessarily get to see as fans. Um, well, I guess maybe you, Adam, in the stadium, I don't know if you hear him shouting loads. Uh, I can't say I really hear Aspie that often. I mean, he does pipe up every now and then. I don't think he's like a, a John Terry's talking throughout the whole game, but um, I think he steps in when he has to, to be fair to him. Um, I just a hard one with Aspie because I really thought he was... Um, this was maybe going to be his last season in the first team as a real like regular. Um, mm. But the, the move to the right centre-back position has probably reinvigorated him a bit. Um, it protects him a little bit more. He's not as exposed in one-on-ones, which really helps because, um, you know, he's played so much football over the years. It's not a surprise that his legs probably aren't uh, as quick as they used to be at this point. Um, and yeah, you know, as you say, as, uh, Thomas Tuchel loves him. Um, so I think he's going to play. If he's fit, he'll play. Um which, you know, as, as, as guys who would like to see Reese given that chance as a right centre-back at some point is a shame, but um, you can't really argue, I guess, at the moment yeah. that, uh, with what Thomas Stick has yeah. been doing because it's been working so well. I wonder whether we might see um, for the Sheffield United game, if as appears to be rested, um, you get presume that Callum Hudson-Odoi would come in at right wing back if uh, if uh, Reese were to play at right centre back, but if Kalmadzadoy is a mainstay in the team and he wants to be rested for that game as well, I wonder if there's a small chance. This is kind of really snatching at stra- clutching at straws. <laughs> not no 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 no. I'm not okay. going to say that. In Tuchel's first game, we saw Christian Pulisic come on at right wing back, and he was actually pretty good. So I wonder whether that's something he possibly has up his sleeve. Potentially. Could do. Could do. Um, Tuchel always has something up his sleeve, doesn't he? I mean, every week he puts out something, you don't know what he's doing, and then he gets the win and you don't complain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, who knows? I think he... Chelsea fans will do that no matter the manager, no matter the lineup. to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Right, so with the Leeds game coming up, um, obviously they're, what they're very likely to try and do to run Chelsea off the pitch to to yeah to outrun them and then i think just three or four days after that there's this huge game against atletico madrid could go to extra time potentially um who are the players you're looking to rest because obviously mason mount Jorginho suspended is there anyone who tuchel might think in the leeds game actually you know what let's give him a rest we've got a huge squad um i'm not sure if that's something that Chelsea fans have necessarily considered, but I think it it could be worth Tuchel doing that. That's a very good question. Um, <laughs> I think, as we said, I think Callum may be rested mm. um, because, as we say, you know the versatility he offers. You'd want him for Atletico if you want to play him at the right on the right wing back role, or maybe if you want to play him further up. So maybe Callum gets rested for for Leeds. Um, I do think. You probably want to rest Kante, but I think this is a game that Kante needs to be uh, be involved in from the start. 
um, just because of what he brings. As we said, as I said earlier, maybe you rest Christensen, but the rhythm he's in at the moment, you perhaps don't want to disrupt that. Um, yeah, it's not easy because you know Le- Leeds are are not a bad team. Um, they're wildly inconsistent. Admittedly, you don't really know if you're going to beat them three 0 or lose three 0 to them. But <laughs> I think you need to put out the, the sort of sensible team in this one, and that probably does mean a lot of the the players you'd probably want to play against Atletico. Um, I'm interested to see if Jorginho does play against the second leg. Oh no, he can't. Sorry. So yeah, I'm just, ignore that. Mm, yeah. Um, so maybe you see Kante Jorginho and give Kovacic the break. Um, but then you, I'm not sure. I thought uh, before Liverpool, I said uh, we did a Facebook thing on, on Football London Facebook, and I was like, oh, I'm worried about Jorginho in this, in this starting 11 against Liverpool, they're going to press him. Yeah. Um, fortunately, Liverpool didn't really do that that well. Um, but that's always my concern against a team with a really intense press and leads to one of those with Jorginho, is maybe he's just going to get uh pressed uh off the pitch basically. So, um so, yeah, I mean, it's well, not yeah, easy, I, yes. I do wonder, I do wonder whether Leeds will try and press because Liverpool are kind of the archetypal pressing team and they completely sat back, especially in the first half. So, and, you know, as as I said earlier, Barnsley are pretty much the only team who've had the balls to do that. Admittedly, it's interesting because you, you mentioned that Sheffield United did press somewhat high, especially in the first half against us. And it was successful. It worked well. So it surprises me that other teams haven't done that, especially ones who you'd expect them to do it. Do you, mm. do you think there's any particular reason why? Um, personally, no. I just think some of the teams... Liverpool obviously have their own issues at the moment. I think they have really impacted what like the Klopp press would really be um, when everything was clicking for them. They would, Chelsea, you know, there were a couple of really nice passages for Chelsea where they played out from the back but um, with Liverpool fully confident and fully um, equipped with every single one of their players I'm not sure that would have been as easy for Chelsea but yeah I mean Marcelo Bielsa I don't think is a sort of guy who's going to change what he's going to do so I think we yeah he's he's dogmatic in that respect you know exactly what he's going to do he's not going to change it no matter who the opposition is and if if Leeds lose 4-0 because of it then well, at least he'll die on his principles. Um, so, yeah, it, it will be interesting because we haven't seen Chelsea press that often. Um, and if when they have been, it probably hasn't, they haven't been pressed that well. Um, but Tuchel's obviously had what we now best part of six weeks with the group. Um, you you know, you've seen his methods. They've been really well taken on by the, by the squad. And you'd hope that if a team does try and press Chelsea, they know the patterns that they have to play to escape the press. So it'll be an interesting, uh, it should be an interesting game just to see how Chelsea are evolving under Tuchel as well. I think the um, the other big thing is when we played Leeds for Lampard, I think a lot of people said that was the beginning of his downfall because players got so tired during that game because we, we did a lot of running against Leeds, which you have to do if you want to get a victory. No doubt about that. But I think that, that will play in his mind that we've got Atletico Madrid, was it six days five days later four days later something like that um and you just you're just gonna hope that okay how can we get the win without tiring ourselves too much and that links i guess to the players who you would rest but you also well, i think win the game, but i think the thing that i give tuchel the most credit for so far uh in his time so far at chelsea is for developing a style of play that is ideal for 
people have been calling it ball. Everybody's already not in prime physical condition because they didn't have a proper preseason. Um, you add to that the fact that all the games are more tightly packed together. You know, all of the reasons um, meaning that players are more tired, they're they're running through mud, uh, they take longer to recover as a result. And we've seen, I think, progressively over the months, uh, not just in the Premier League, but in all the major leagues across Europe, the numbers of goals in each game on average has very clearly declined progressively over the course of the season so far. And, you know, you'd expect it would continue to. So for that reason, this sort of structure that Tuchel has built, where... We keep the ball, meaning that we, the players don't run much. They stand still for much of the game, especially the defenders. Um, and, you know, it's less important if attackers run more. But we have attackers and rotate them. And Tuchel has done that a lot. I think it's credit to him that he's done that. And I think that's also a big reason... Um, why, like you said, Adam, Leeds are so wildly inconsistent. Um, obviously, it's just the nature of their the game they play, but I think especially in a season like this, it's impossible for them to kind of say the same thing before every game because the players are just going to be in wild physical conditions. Um, so, again, this is why I say I'm not so sure. Well, even if Leeds do try to press Chelsea, will they be successful? I'm not sure. And will they continue trying unsuccessfully for 90 minutes? I'm not sure about that either, because what would be the point? As you know, as I've said, in a time where all the players are already so tired out. So I just, I just think not to um, have uh, such an end to end game. But, you know, as you said, Marcelo Bielsa may not happen. Yeah. As next, to be fair, you make an excellent point in terms of the, yeah the players are tired and, and the way Chelsea are playing is very um, is very well set up in terms to try and manage that fatigue. I think Chelsea probably averaged around sixty five percent possession in in the games under Tuchel. They do absolutely dominate games and control games through possession. They don't they don't want to get into a back and forth game with people, and say so that is logical for this season. Um, it just depends if Leeds if Leeds can go at Chelsea the first twenty minutes if they, if Leeds do that and they get a goal, then suddenly you know Chelsea maybe yeah. get dragged into this uh, essentially basketball game where they have to press back and and try and, and counter press really high and have to go at it. But as you say, you wouldn't want to try and end up in a game like that given you've got Atletico uh, to come on the Wednesday because I think in the first game against Leeds Chelsea covered more ground than was it any other Premier League team this season. Um, yeah. Mm. They can't. They can't afford to do that again uh, on this weekend because, as you say, even though the, you know Chelsea could rotate for Atletico, there would be enough players who are playing against Leeds who are going to play against Atletico as well that you wouldn't want them to be shattered come Wednesday evening. I think one solution to that could be. I don't think this will happen at all because I think Tuchel is quite keen on sticking to his principles. But one solution to that could actually be to give Leeds the ball to say, look. We're not going to try and dominate possession. We're going to sit back and we're, it's not going to be an end-to-end game, but it's going to be you have possession, we have possession, you have possession, and we try to 
you know, knit together our moves and we don't go mental pressing you. We let you try and break us down and you're not going to be able to do that because we're a better team than you or we'd like to think so anyway. So I think that could be a solution to really beat Leeds. You know, most of their chance creation does come through um, winning the ball up high or forcing teams into mistakes rather than, you know, intricate build-up play. That's a wild generalisation, I, I just have to add. Obviously, they do have some some really good build-up plays, some really good players, some lovely patterns. But, you know, if you want to talk about their the kind of style of play that they are, they identify with, it's not, I guess, Pep Guardiola ball. It's, as you said, Marcelo, Marcelo Bielsa ball. Um, and I think Thomas Tuchel ball is quite similar to Pep Guardiola ball at the moment. So... Um, you know that that could be a solution as well. Well, um, what I've just thought of, and that's something I actually look into the, uh, over the rest of this week, is I, I wonder how Leeds the press is affected when they play back three, uh, mm. because that's a very different way to have to press a defence. Um, mm. So I do wonder if maybe that's something that could impact them, and that's how I'll have a look uh, uh, over the numbers that we can dig out. Over the course of this week, to have us to have us uh, to have a look if that actually does impact how Leeds do, because I'm sure they have come up against a back three at least a few times in the last couple of seasons. So, um, so yeah, that's just maybe something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. I want to slightly change the subject. Obviously, still Chelsea centric, but we're going to talk about a different Chelsea team for a few minutes. Um, Chelsea under 23s endured an absolutely crazily frustrating game uh, on the weekend. A nil-nil draw against Brighton. Hit the crossbar three times. Had a million other chances. Brighton barely had a sniff. And yet again, Chelsea didn't come away with the three points. Um, I believe all three of us watched that game. What, what was your, your, what were your takeaways from that, Adam? Um, my takeaway was, I can't believe this is happening again. Uh, because... <laughs> It's pretty much been in every dev match this 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 year that they've played is that they've dominated games, they've had loads of chances, they haven't taken those chances and, and at least they didn't get punished in that respect this time that they got the draw. But um but yeah, it is becoming a bit of a recurring thing with the dev squad that they, they create countless chances and for whatever reason they are just not going in at the moment. Um I think we spoke about it during the game. You do wonder where the dev squad would be if they had a Tammy Abraham prolific goal scorer at youth level leading that line maybe Kogbo somebody like that who was going to score them 20 well, 25 goals but um yeah but yeah they don't I think don't. that that player is currently Vitessa Arnhem's top scorer the highest no not just Vitessa Arnhem's top scorer he's he's um the highest scoring teenager in Europe's top 10 leagues he's um you know he is that age he's the same age group as many I think most of the players in, in the dev squad same age as uh Lewis Bay alone very prematurely and as a result you know they've got Brian Fiabema who they who's a new signing he's still adapting to life um they've got Jude Sunsup Bell who's really really young he's only just turned 17 uh they've got George Nunn who I think they seem to have decided that he's not really going to cut it as a striker they're trying to convert him to more of a left wing back so they don't have that number nine um and and as you say if only they did have one well they do but they decided to send him on loan so I just find that quite an interesting dynamic because obviously the loan has been fantastic for Armando it's been brilliant for his development but how does it affect the development of all these other players I find that quite interesting 
Mm, that's true. And I think with the FA Youth Cup final we and semi-final, we missed him badly. Him and uh, Martson on loan, who we would have had uh, if the competition continued last season. Um, but we, we missed them heavily. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There were, there were, there were a few poor performances in there. Uh, which I won't go into for reasons, but um, but yeah, um, I think yeah, I, I think it's been frustrating. The under 18s was even worse, which I somehow decided to write a match report on, um, which was quite devastating. On, um, but I'm sure I'm sure they'll be back. I'm, people people are just overreacting. People saying, "Oh, we're not an elite academy anymore," stuff like that. Just <laughs> yeah, this is this is Chelsea Academy. They're the best, the one of the best in the country. They'll they'll be back. Coaches know how to deal with this. The players do. They get so many setbacks on the way. So I'm I'm not too bothered. But we do need to start getting out some points soon. Something yeah. I, I was thinking during the game was that um, it's the. Well, I've mentioned them twice in this podcast. The expected goals, gods getting their revenge from when we beat United six-one. Um, I think in December, one from Marcel Lewis, one from Tino Andrin. Uh, you know, the scoreline was we smashed them, but the scoreline was not quite indicative of the performance. Um, and you know, since then, uh, we drew two-two, smashed Arsenal, and drew two-two uh, from a deflected long shot and a wonder strike free kick. Um, we've drawn nil-nil with Brighton. We lost two-one to Derby away um, from two long balls. No, a set piece and a long ball. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's been, uh, I guess, polar opposites to that game. I think I, be- I think that was the last game before the sort of extended break over the Christmas period. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um... It is just a bit strange how uh, how many chances Chelsea have failed to not actually take. Um, it's been interesting seeing Tino back in the uh, back in the dev squad the last couple of games. Um, I think in the first half against Leicester last week he was excellent. Um, looks completely a cut above, and I think understandably tired in the second half just because he hadn't played uh, a ninety since the main night game uh, you mentioned. So. Um, yeah, he, he's still finding his feet. I think he hasn't played regular football for so long because he's been with the first team. And, you know, there are merits. There's a lot of merit to him training with the first team every day and uh, and learning from the players in, in, the, in the squad. But it doesn't replicate that sort of game-to-game feel that he, he will have playing with the dev squad. Um, and, you know, as you said, you know, people are overreacting to the results of the, of the weekend and, and maybe... This, this year so far Chelsea's academy is still one of the best in the world um, the coaches are excellent the, the the plans that are in place for players and the development of players is so carefully crafted that a couple of poor games isn't going to change how Chelsea's coaches think about these young players and it shouldn't change how fans think about these young players because at the end of the day these guys are 17, 18, they're still developing, they're still learning and part of that learning experience is to you know, suffer setbacks and having to overcome them. And of course, everyone wants to win games. And, and you know, youth team football is a bit of a cliche. You know, it's not about winning games. It is about winning games because everyone wants to win games. You know, those players mm-hmm. at the weekend will be disappointed that they lost there. Uh, but it's something that they will learn from and hopefully going forward, it, it benefits them in, in terms of their careers. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think it's even more pertinent when you consider that Chelsea have been quite famed over the years, their academy for having a, 
a bit of a winning mentality. They win lots of trophies. They um, sort of instill it in the players that, as you quite rightly said, it's not really true that academy football is not just about winning because academy football is about um, preparing players for winning. That's that's the only thing it's about. So, you know, very much it's very much a good education to learn an, a winning mentality. And actually, the best way to do that is through experiencing losses and experiencing bad results. Um, and, you know, to anyone who says um, it's only a bad thing that they lost, they're all bad players. Well, actually, they're developing. Often you will learn much more from a loss than a win. You could even say that at the senior level, I'm sure when Thomas Tuchel loses his first game as a, as a Chelsea manager... We as fans and him as a manager will learn loads, far more than we will from, you know, just beating another side 2-0. So, you know, it's quite clear to see that. Um, one, moving on to one other Chelsea team, um, we, we've gone through three. Uh, we're playing Bristol City in the Continental Cup final, which should be uh, uh, one to look forward to, especially considering that Chelsea absolutely smashed Bristol City last time, last time out in the league. Um, but um, yeah, any any thoughts on on the women's team? Either of you looking ahead to that game? I can't say I'm a I'm a huge fan, or I'm, I'm watching them week in week out. But um, I keep up. I'll keep up with the scores, and I'll switch it on. And we're looking real good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I'm pretty confident. Um, it should be a good game to watch. And yeah. Just, I don't know if you have anything, Adam, to say. I was going to say, obviously, they're playing the second leg of their Champions League game against yeah. uh, Atletico yeah. tomorrow uh, at the time of when we're recording. Um, and they're 2-0 up from, from that first leg. Um, I didn't get to see the first leg, but by all accounts, Chelsea were brilliant because they went down to 10 men really, really early. Um, um, Emma Hayes is a, is a brilliant coach. Um, I think we can all agree mm. on that. Even if you only watch the, the women's side sporadically, you can see how well coached. And um, I thought, that Atletico game, the first leg, how she reacted to to the to the red card and and the system change she did to to make sure Chelsea still had a threat was was really really clever. Um, so hopefully they can get through and and that will be the start of a week of uh, sorry that will be the start of Chelsea progressing past Atletico Madrid in Champions Leagues. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, you know the the women's side are very good to watch. If you can watch them, you should. If you should try and make time for it. Um, I'm going to say hopefully uh, it's on Sunday, isn't it? So hopefully, yes, if you if you can watch it, you should because uh, they're a very good side to watch as well as being uh, very uh, effective and winning most of their games. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that you put it really well uh, to make that comparison with the men's side because I think the men's side are extremely, extremely effective at the moment. But I think it's then necessarily always super entertaining. Um uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. It must be said because I've already given Tuchel lots of credit um, for, you know, building this structure for pandemic ball. As I said, um, you know, I think it not being entertaining is actually a very good thing in terms of effectiveness. Um, but yeah, the women's team are honestly amazing. It helps that they have an incredible squad, but it helps that they have an incredible manager. Um, obviously, <laughs> but you know just the the patterns of play that they come up with there was i will i don't think i'll ever forget this goal because i 
I just kind of couldn't believe it. There was this amazing team goal against Arsenal, um, scored by Pinilla Harder in the end. That was it was just ridiculous. Um, and I do think, um, as Chelsea youth on Twitter keeps on saying, the best football at the club is being go and watch them if you can it's free to watch i don't think everybody knows this if you're in the uk um if you're not um you know i didn't tell you this but you can just get a vpn and say that you are in the uk <laughs> um you can watch um the women's um um women's super league games on the the fa player app for free so um yeah it, it's free to watch and and you i really couldn't recommend it enough right so with that, um, we're going to skirt back to the men's team for the final few minutes of the podcast. And I'm just going to ask you each for your desired starting 11 for this weekend's game against Leeds. Um, and we can compare them and think about what Tuchel might do, what you might do, what, and how that might be different. Uh, okay. Um, we'll see it. Mendy and goal. Um, I think as people start, I th- think Christensen will start, and I think Rudiger will start. I think Chilwell will start left wing back. I think Reese starts right wing back. Uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if Callum started, but I'm going with Reese. Um, as we spoke about earlier, I think you probably go with Jorginho and Kante just because Jorginho can't play midweek. Um, and then that front three would be Mason, Havertz, and let's say, I think it'll be Werner, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Pulisic. It is difficult, this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'm going for. That'd be my guess at this point. Uh, um, I'll go for a, more of a predicted than my own, but I'll go with... Mendy in goal, um, and Aspi, Christensen, Rudiger back three. Um, the wing backs will be Hudson Adoy and Ben Chilwell. In the middle, you'll have Jorginho and Kante, and your front three will be Mount, Havertz, and Werner. I think you've just rattled off the same 11 as I'm there. Sure. <laughs> Have I? I didn't even realise. Yeah. There yeah. we go. He's at 11. Well, I think that is probably the most accurate predicted 11 you'll get. I'm going to just yeah say to hell with predictions and I'm going to say what I would do myself uh, were I Thomas Tuchel because I think that's quite fun. Um, <laughs> I would go Mendy and goal um, and I would... I would keep the same back three um, as... No, I wouldn't. Well, no, I'm not going to say research centre-back because I think that's unrealistic to to too far an extent um, for it to be, you know, kind of feasible. So I'm going to say the same back three as you guys, Aspi, um, Christensen, Rudiger, uh, Chilwell, left wing back, um, Hudson-Odoi, right wing back. In the middle... This is where it gets tasty. I would absolutely love to see a pivot of Angolo Kante and Mason Mount. I think, yeah, this Kante and Mount pivot, what it does is it allows you to play 
any three of the attackers that we previously listed. But specifically in this game, it gives you that energy in midfield. It allows you to keep Kai Havertz in the 11 at number nine. It allows you to keep Timo Werner in the 11 because I think he will be very effective against Leeds and he needs a goal. Um, and then it allows you to give, I guess, Christian Pulisic some minutes, Hakim Ziyech some minutes if you want. It allows you to play Callum Hudson-Odoi because he's your best attacker. Um, no agendas there. Um, but, um, you know, it it just gives you so many more options. Um Having said, to be fair, I think if you if you go for Mountain in the midfield too, it probably does need to be Reese as the right wing back rather than Callum, um, just for that extra sort of defensive stability. Um, but you know, against a team like Leeds, I do really think that two two runners in midfield is not a bad idea at all. Yeah, I can see the logic in it. I just guess it doesn't <laughs> have the I guess from me pretending to be Thomas Tuchel here. Yeah, he obviously likes to let him know he's going to have control of the midfield, and I guess yeah, him out. There's no, there's not the same guarantee. Whereas if you put Jorginho in there for all his um, weaknesses, uh, I guess you well the one thing you do know is he's going to try and uh, keep possession, rotate the ball. So yeah, I, I, it would be interesting to see if we do see a Mount Kante pivot at some point this season, though, because I do think there's a potential for it to be quite effective. Um, maybe against a team that Chelsea should be beating. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that definitely. Um right. I think that that's a a good note to end to end the pod. I think maybe the last thing to say, you mentioned a team that Chelsea should be beating. We've got Sheffield United coming up in the cup. I think that's the the following game after the Atletico Madrid game. Um hopefully an opportunity for someone like Tino Andrin to potentially start the game um I would love to see that happen not sure if it will especially if Christian Pulisic doesn't get as many minutes Hakim Ziyech maybe not Olivier Giroud the same um and Tammy especially hopefully that'll be a game for Tammy to come in um yeah you know Tuchel in my opinion rather disparagingly called Tammy uh well he didn't call him a cup striker but he said Tammy's a guy who scores goals in the cups um which you know obviously in my opinion that's not a very good look but it does mean that he should be coming back in for that game um and it should give him a chance uh, to to you know get some momentum back if he impresses um but yeah i i think that's gonna wrap up the pod it was brilliant to have you on again adam really enjoyed it yeah no thanks guys anytime awesome and yourself likewise path it was good fun Thank you, mate. Enjoyed this one. All right. Um, all that leaves me to say is, well, actually, before I say the last thing, I'm going to say one more thing, which is please make sure to go and follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Newson if you hadn't already, because he has some brilliant coverage from the Chelsea games. He is luckily able to attend live most of them, and uh, he's also very kind enough to give him to give us his time to come on these podcasts um so with that i will say my last thing which is thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time